Welcome to the Gibraltar Heritage Trust podcast series. I'm Alice Mascareñas, and this time we dedicate our podcast to the Calpe Conference, Calpe 21, which opens this Thursday, the 23rd of September, and closes on Saturday, the 25th. The Calpe series of conferences are an international academic conference organized by the Gibraltar National Museum on behalf of the Gibraltar government, bringing to the rock leading scientists and world experts looking at human evolution, heritage, natural heritage, and conservation, and which this year celebrates its 25th anniversary. Human evolution, the first Europeans, the Barbary macaques, Caves as archives, humans and their relationship with the sea, diversity and lives of insects, bat research and conservation, 30 years of bird ringing, and of course the Gorham's Cave Complex and the Neanderthals are just some of the topics featured since Galpin 1997, which first focused on the rock as the European gateway, the Strait of Gibraltar through history. Now, once again, the conference is headed by the director of the Gibraltar National Museum, chief scientist and curator and director of the UNESCO World Heritage Site, Professor Clive Finneson. Held at the University of Gibraltar, the conference in this 25th edition will centre on the Iberian Neanderthals. But this year is also special because it is also the 95th year of the discovery of the Neanderthal child's skull from Devil's Tower Rock Shelter. The young Neanderthal boy presented to us several years ago and who we know today as Flint. Clive, welcome to this podcast. Now, nice, nice to be here. It seems incredible that it's already 25 years the Galpe series of conferences have been ongoing and you've brought over quite a lot of people, eminent people in, in the field of, of science to Gibraltar. Can I go take you back to the beginning and what was the aim of, of the conference? Yeah, before we even start that, I also think it's incredible um, that I was going to say, I and Geraldine and I really from the beginning, Geraldine was organising these with me. Um, but you might want to look this up in the Guinness Book of Records if there's anybody who's organised 25 conferences consecutively <laughs> each year. Um, because it is a strain, it's very hard work, uh, but I'm very happy that it happens because we have a very well-oiled team now with the experience that we've got, and that makes life a lot easier. But organising a conference is no mean feat. Uh, and I'm pleased that we've kept it together. We've managed to to, to, to do them, all 25. Um, yeah, last year was a big challenge with COVID. But you still went ahead with and it we've last We've managed year. to do it, and this year had its uncertainties as well, and here we are. Um, so yes, I mean, it, 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 I think it must be quite a unique record. Um, but when it started, I mean, it started really, it was this idea of Gibraltar's diverse heritage and history um, and somehow promoting this in some way. Um, I remember when I was asked at the time, would I participate in running with this? I agreed thinking, well, you know, we'll do one and see where we go from there. Little did I imagine that um, it would become a, you know, an annual event that we would organize. I don't think that the plan was that from at the beginning, it's just the way it happened. Of course, sometimes you have coincidences. No? 97 was the first one, and 98, the choice of topic was obvious, because 98 was 150 years after the discovery of the Gibraltar One skull from Forbes Quarry, 1848. So it was very clear that you know we were in the middle of then the big Gorham's excavations. We had the team from the Natural History Museum here with Chris Stringer, 
Andy Current and others. Uh, and it was quite clear that the opportunity to host a conference on Neanderthals was too good to be to be missed at the time. You'll remember we, we managed, for the first time ever, I think since they had left Gibraltar, we actually managed to bring the the original skulls from the Natural History Museum out to Gibraltar. And they were an exhibition in the museum for that year. Um, that was a first. And the reason why I say sometimes coincidences is that one of the things we've been doing since 98 is every third year, more or less, the conference has been dedicated to Neanderthals. And a person who we're going to commemorate this year at the conference, Ofer Bayosef, professor at Harvard and retired in 2013, I believe, and died last year. Ofer came to the first Cowper conference. He was one of the people who we invited. Very reputable. At the end of the conference, everyone was really pleased. We had all the, all the big guys here, you know, all the leading lights, pleased. And Ofer stood up and said very complimentary words to, to the Cowper conference, the way we organized, and said, I propose that this should become the place, Gibraltar should be the place where all of us meet once every three years in a Kalpa conference to discuss the state of play on modern human origins and the Neanderthals. Here we are. And we're doing it thanks to him. It was his suggestion. And of course, in between, we've been doing a lot of other subjects, uh, some of which you've, you've covered in your introduction. Now, you, you said that you never really imagined that it would grow so much. But it really has grown year on year, and it's grown quite a lot outside Gibraltar as well. Because over the years, you've had quite a lot of people coming over who are specialists in, in, the, in the different fields. We've had specialists in many, many, many different fields. Clearly, I highlight the Neanderthals because it's our strength. It's not just our strength in terms of the assets we hold in Gibraltar, but in terms of the research that we're doing, uh, which is considered to be of international importance. So, so in that respect, it has become particularly well-known in that field, but also in many others. I recall we had uh, the anniversary of, of, of Trafalgar in 2005, and we brought some very interesting and important speakers then. So it has become well-known internationally. When you invite someone to a CALPA conference, generally, uh, and there are people in high regard in terms of their field of work, the surprising thing is most people are aware of what the CALPA conferences are and are delighted to accept the invitation. And that's that's how far we've got in 25 years. Sometimes, you know, we talk of marketing and promoting Gibraltar and so on. There are subtle ways of doing this. And this gradual way through publications, through organizing the conference, bringing people here, is a way of spreading the word in terms of the significance of Gibraltar. There can be no doubt that uh, although we have the material locally and we know we have the material from places like Gorham's Cave and, 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 and Vanguard, um, Gibraltar is very rich in, in history. Not just Neanderthals, but military and uh, social history. And, and the conferences, in, in my view, I think have added greatly to, to placing Gibraltar on the map. So what influence would they have had, for example, on us achieving world heritage status? Again, things aren't necessarily direct A causes B, but there are subtle effects which percolate through. For example, we were very heavily involved in the early bid for world heritage, the Fortress of Gibraltar. We organised the conference on Gibraltar's heritage in 99, and some of the leading UNESCO staff 
came and spoke, and that suddenly made them aware of Gibraltar. That suddenly then opens other doors because people are, are then have come and they've seen it for themselves. There's a, an effect of Calpe. One of those people, just to give an example, now chairs the Research and Conservation Committee of the World Heritage Site. You know, we have an international committee, and the chairperson was a former deputy director of UNESCO. These things happen through these contacts and through having people out and, and at conferences and so on. So I think that these contexts have ramifications and projections that go beyond what we might realize in the more immediate sense. And people go away, but they haven't really forgotten you. And maybe it's next year or maybe in four or five years' time they come back or, or you discuss something with them and it's it's much easier to do that. So so what I would say is that what, what Galpe has done for Gibraltar's heritage is to create this um, soft marketing of Gibraltar, but in a very cumulative way that it has almost inadvertently created this interest, expectation and awareness of Gibraltar's heritage, particularly in the academic ranks and people who can be very influential. And that has helped us tremendously, I think. Perhaps it wasn't done with that in mind, but that has been a very important effect of this. I guess as well that in, in, in terms of wide public acceptance, uh, we've had recently the Bethany Hughes program on Channel 4, The Treasures of, of, of Gibraltar. And, and in, a, in a way, it also leads to those kind of programs. There have been quite a lot of you know, programs in the past on the, on the BBC and so on. The Bethany Hughes program is, the, is a direct consequence of Gorham's Cave but of actually the Literary Festival, because I recall it was two or three years ago that Bethany was in Gibraltar in the Literary Festival, and we met, we chatted, and I remember we were out on, on, on the dolphin boat going to see Gorham's Cave, and the conversation developed in such a way, and, and Bethany, when she came, recognised this, the conversation developed in such a way that we were actually on the boat discussing three years ago the treasures of Gibraltar. And this is another example of how this sort of subtle conversation with people can lead to a product such as this. So the the inception, the idea, if you like, the, the germ of the idea of that happened in that literary festival conference on a boat off Gibraltar. Which, of course, would have probably also had in conversations on, on the Calpa conference, no doubt, because it, it kind of all comes together. Being such a small spe- spe- space, really, it's amazing just how much interest there is in Gibraltar out there. Absolutely. Um, there is a huge interest on Gibraltar. And as I recall, in this particular one out on the boat, we had we were either going or coming back from Gorham's, but you see things on the way. So you see the Tower of Homage, and you point to the top of the rock where there is a stay-behind cave, <laughs> and you see Rosier Bay with Nelson, and suddenly a short trip on a boat encompasses a lot of those elements and treasures that, that we regard so highly in Gibraltar. Let me bring you back to the the Galbe conference. Out of all the topics, what would you say would have been the most important topics? Throughout the conferences. Clearly, I have to say, and you'll accuse me of bias, but I have to say the Neanderthals and that subject. Yeah, and I truly believe it. I think that, you know, Gibraltar is, is rich in its heritage, um, but if there is, is one thing which is richer than anything else, it has to be that. It is the only thing that is recognized as world heritage today. I'm not suggesting that there aren't others, but that is the reality. Um, So I think that has to be. But one that comes to mind that I've touched upon briefly before, and, you know, this is a spontaneous reaction to the question, not planned, 
was in fact 2005 and, and the Trafalgar Bicentenary. And what came to mind there was, it was very clear, it was a wonderful moment of meeting of people because we obviously brought all the, the big historians from the UK and so on. But we brought a Spaniard from Madrid University to talk of the Spanish aspect of this. And, and really it was, it was quite revealing because we had a very open-minded academic who was willing to see this as a historical phenomenon. Um, and in fact, after that, we, we became very good friends. But there was also a Sicilian with us. And you know that uh, there was a huge connection with Sicily uh, and Nelson. And there were some funny stories that, that emerged from that, because, of course, Nelson died from, from the woods, but so did Gravina. Gravina was Sicilian. He had served with the Spanish Navy. And Gravina died from the woods, but he died uh, 06, the year after. So the Sicilians decided to, to reciprocate and organize their own conference and invited us over and invited the Spaniards as well. And it was a wonderful occasion where we were actually celebrating historical event from different perspectives rather than victors and vanquished. And it showed me another angle to, to how we can understand and commemorate history, um, events where uh, the people commemorating them were at loggerheads with each other and yet are willing to come together and understand it from different perspectives. And I think that was quite quite significant. The, the issue of, of diversity, especially in the subjects, and I, I mentioned them at, at the beginning, but... Apart from those those topics, uh, and there is a rich diversity of topics throughout the whole of, of Galpe, there's also the rich diversity of peoples coming together from all over the world. Mm, absolutely. I mean, people have come here. I mean, one springs to mind, for example, Malta. Yeah, we had a Malta-Gibraltar conference, and that was extremely interesting. It was a different kind of conference, because rather than bringing global specialists, you brought specialists, some of whom were of global renown, but um, particularly uh, from, from Gibraltar and Malta, and to, to, to discuss those connections uh, were very, very interesting. If there is something that disappointed me with the Gibraltar-Malta one, was that there had been an, unspo- an unwritten agreement that there would be a reciprocal follow-up conference in Malta, and you know, almost 20 years on, we're still waiting for that to, to happen. That was a pity. But, yeah, the people who came, you know, um, gave some very interesting perspectives. We then, we were involved, we visited Malta on a number of occasions. For example, Fort Rinella to see the 100-ton gun and the equivalent one here, and so on. So those were also interesting uh, interesting moments, yes. As they say, never say never, you never know. Let me take you to Nana and Flint next. In the past few years, of course, you've brought them to life, and they're in, in the Gibraltar Museum. Uh, we brought the, the, the young Neanderthal boy to, to life, Flint, and it's the discovery of this Neanderthal child's skull from Devil's Tower Rock Shelter, which this year celebrates 95 years. How significant was this discovery? It was significant at the Gibraltar level for a start because it showed that Gibraltar was a place of Neanderthals. It wasn't now just Forbes Quarry. It was significant also because in the, in the wide anthropological field because... The whole story of Dorothy Garrett coming to Gibraltar was linked to, to the visits of Professor Henri Breul, a uh, French uh, prehistorian, world famous, who had visited Gibraltar uh, in peculiar circumstances during wars um, and recognised the potential. And uh, Dorothy was one of his students and she came and she made a career for herself because from here she went to and excavated the, the sites in Mount Carmel 
and became the first first woman professor in Cambridge in history. A very significant moment for her and for the history of, of, of academia, I would like. And it, it, it put Gibraltar on the map. What amazes me is that when you see what was found in Forbes Quarry and between that and Devil's Tower, academics were coming trying to research Gibraltar. Then this is found. Then, obviously, you have war years. But then there's the little gap when there's this interest in Gorham's Cave. And then it just went quiet. And it's only when we started to develop the interest back in 89. But there'd been a period of maybe 30 years of nothing. So, you know, having gone into the paleoanthropological, you know, become a, a key thing in the paleoanthropological world in the 19th and early 20th century, Gibraltar was forgotten. And, you know, sometimes people dedicate books to me when they come, I dedicate books to people. And if there's one I'm particularly proud of, it's one by a book written by Ian Tattersall of the American Museum of Natural History, very well known uh, researcher, you know, really world class. And he, after one of the Calpa conferences, he's been here more than once, he dedicated a book to Geraldine and me. And the dedication thanked us for putting Gibraltar back on the paleoanthropological map. And I felt very proud that somebody like that should have recognized our efforts in that way. Does it does it sadden you the the fact that Gibraltar missed out on a major world opportunity, and it wouldn't have been in a Neanderthal; it would have been perhaps Gibraltar woman. I suppose from a Gibraltar PLC marketing point of view, it might have been a nice thing to have. Although we're still trying to debunk the image of the brutish Neanderthal, who knows what image we would have been given in that respect. So you know we have to be careful whether that would have been a good or a bad thing, but. The reality of history is the reality of history. We cannot change it. And we have to be happy with all the advances that we're making here and that Gibraltar is recognised for that. And incidentally, without saying too much, more is going to be revealed in this Kalpa conference very, very shortly. There are more discoveries that people don't know about and we will hear about them uh, at this Kalpa conference. So Flint will play a big part in, in the Scalpa conference? Yeah. I mean, the, the conference is called uh, the, the, the Iberian uh, Neanderthals, so yeah. tell yeah. us a little bit about well, what the focus it is. Of, yeah, the focus about the Iberian Neanderthals is, well, it, it's partly, partly logistic and partly a real academic question. The logistic part is, you know, when we started to plan the Calp at the beginning of the year, there was still a lot of COVID issues that still are today. So planning a conference where you bring people from all over the world with the risks involved in cancellations and things like that, played an important part in our decision-making. So we felt that, look, we did last year one, a purely local, let's begin to move towards the international scene, but let's try and keep it fairly straightforward. I mean, there are a lot of very good uh, researchers and speakers in the Iberian Peninsula. So let's do an Iberian subject and bring Iberians, mainly Iberians, who can come in by train, by car. It, it's a relatively simpler exercise. The exceptions are Christoph Zolikov from Marcia Ponce de Leon from Zurich, who are very good friends of ours and who have uh, been involved in research for many, many years. And we invited them to come and do the inaugural speech, uh, lecture. So they're coming from Zurich, but that's a, a straight flight Zurich to Malaga, so they should be hopefully okay if everything goes well. So, so there was a logistic reason, if you like, to doing it that way. But there's also an academic reason. I mean, Iberia... You know, we've been arguing about the, the refuge that Gibraltar and the southern part of Iberia was for Neanderthals, how they survived here for a very long time. Very likely the last Neanderthals were living here. 
There are other parts of the Iberian Peninsula that are quite different with harsher climates. So Iberia is a wonderful laboratory. It's big enough, but it's self-contained. And there are many people researching in the Iberian Peninsula. So Iberia can be a wonderful laboratory, and certainly that's what I'm going to be talking about, for developing further our understanding of the response of peoples generally, and Peninsula in particular, to climate change, to environmental change. What do we see there? Um, and it is almost a natural laboratory. So it was a good thing to do that. And of course, some of the biggest human evolution, you know, world heritage sites are in the Iberian Peninsula. In the south you have Gibraltar, in the north you have Atapuerca, uh, near Burgos. And the the leading uh, researchers in Atapuerca immediately agreed to come out and come and talk to us. So we'll have people like Juan Luis Arzuaga, who was extremely well known as a researcher, or Jose Maria Bermudez de Castro, or indeed Maria Martin Antorres, who now is the head of the CENIA, which is the Centre for Human Evolution for Spain. It's, it's, it's a sick big centre for human evolution. She's the director and she's also coming. So some big names are coming. And I think it's an exciting subject. And we can teach, uh, Gibraltar can teach and Iberia can teach the world a lot of lessons about how we should go about doing this kind of research. So your main aim for the conference and what would you say would be the papers to look forward to and the lectures? Because yeah, of course, let's, let's, let's just say that this is open to, to the general public in Gibraltar as well. This is open to the general public. If you're a local resident, it's free. All we ask is that you register. You can do it online or come to the museum. And it's important particularly that we know who's coming because we need to abide by all the, the COVID uh, regulations and rules. So we have to know whether you're double vaccinated, etc., etc., etc. doesn't mean that if you're not, you cannot come, but we, there will be other requirements of you. So I would encourage, I mean, there's a lot, I was just checking this morning, there's been a lot of registrations this morning, um, so there will be a limit to the number, so I suggest that people register as quickly as possible. And I would add, because I've had this over the years with Calpe, people say, well, I, I didn't register because I could only go on Saturday. Well, nobody expects anybody who registers to attend every lecture. You can come and choose the ones you want to come to. You know, so, so there is no no particular requirement in that. So, so there's still time. Uh, come and register for that. And in terms of the papers, I never like to highlight a paper in particular. I've mentioned some of the people who are coming. Um, I think it's all going to be extremely interesting. But where are we going with this? Well, I think it's a good opportunity. Publications are coming out thick and fast. It's something a good opportunity to take stock. What Ofer told us in 1998, it's the conference where we all come together. Hey, chaps, where are we with this? Where are we going with this? And of course, um, and aside with all this is the possibility of, of future collaborations. A lot of the collaborations that we've done over the years here have been the product of, of meetings with people in, in the Calpe Conference. And what are the future of the Calpe Conferences? We'll carry on doing them the best of our abilities and we will try to keep a diversity of subjects. The modern historical subjects we've covered, we will try and cover those again. Uh, most recently we've done more on the natural history which had been a little bit neglected we had the rewilding conference as well we will try and keep to the Neanderthal theme maybe every three years as as Ofer Bayos have recommended to us but we're always open to ideas and suggestions uh, of subjects that that could be covered Uh, the important thing is that it should be something I think that Gibraltar is important and that we can project it to the outside world, but we can also bring specialists to come in and work with us in projecting it. I think that's 
the most important aspect. And uh, I think we're all familiar with what some of those subject areas are. But in addition to prehistory in its wider sense, because it's not just the Neanderthals, we have certainly the proto-history pillars of Hercules. We have the whole of the medieval period and, and the Al-Andalus. I think that's a hugely important contribution that Gibraltar can make. And, of course, Second World War, the social history of, of our own people. I mean, there are big subjects there that we should recognize as being important parts of our heritage without in any way saying that diminishing others. But I think we have to at least identify and recognize the big, the big ones. Well, having been at quite a number of the past Calpa conferences, I have no doubt that we have another 25 years ahead of us. Well, I'm sure the Calpa conferences will. <laughs> I'm not sure about me. I'm happy with it, with it, with our current record. <laughs> Clive, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure as always. Pleasure. Professor Clive Finneson talking about the Galpe series of conferences. And this year, Galpe 21 opens this Thursday, the 23rd of September, and closes on Saturday, the 25th. Further information is available from the Gibraltar National Museum website at www.gibmuseum.gi news slash events. This podcast series is presented and produced by me, Alice Mascareñas, as a trustee together with Chief Executive Claire Montado for the Gibraltar Heritage Trust. Original music is by Guy Valadino. The Gibraltar Heritage Trust offices can be found at the main guard at 13 John McIntosh Square. Opening hours Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. and Saturdays, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can contact the Trust on 200 42844 or check out the website gibraltarheritagetrust.org.gi Until the next time, keep a watchful eye on heritage.